Welcome to Big Sky Breakdown. First Big Sky Breakdown for November. It is November 1st. Hope you had a happy Halloween. Coulter Nuana is here. To everybody out there, all of a sudden, it's Big Man Month, as former Montana State head coach Mike Kramer used to say. Stretch run, Big Sky Conference play. In this podcast, we'll hear from a variety of guests as some crucial games upcoming in the Big Sky Conference. We'll hear from Ryan Tutel from ESPN Missoula, talking about both the Bobcats and the Grizzlies as they get set for their matchups on Saturday. The Cats host Southern Utah. The Grizz play at Portland State. We'll also hear from Portland State head coach Bruce Barnum at his comedic best. He was hilarious on our Tutel and Nuanas show. He'll break down the Grizz for you and everything else around the Big Sky Conference. Then three quick-hitting interviews from the Grizz side of things from before practice on Wednesday, I guess before and after practice. We hear from Jesse Sims and Braden Deming, a couple defensive linemen, along with head coach Bobby Houck. Then we will hear from Derek Marks, senior defensive end for Montana State as his team tries to get back on track against Southern Utah this weekend. And then we'll hear from Brandon Fisher, former Grizz outside linebacker, now the defensive coordinator at Southern Utah and a guy that spent some time coaching in the NFL before he landed back in the Big Sky ranks. One of the youngest coaches in the league, but also, ironically, one of the most experienced. The son of Jeff Fisher, longtime NFL player and coach. Played in Montana and coached in the NFL for his dad for quite some time. Took a year off. Now he's back in the college ranks at Southern Utah. And then we'll get this thing wrapped up with Kevin Thompson, quarterback from Sacramento State. This is our fourth interview with him this year, and that's because Sac State keeps on winning, and they host the Big Sky Conference Game of the Week this week with number three, Weaver State, coming to town. Big Sky Breakdown presented in part by Selway Armory. Locations of both Missoula and Bozeman, your firearms expert in Montana. Take the Selway Armory Challenge. Shop with Selway Armory for a year. Guarantee you're going to save money compared to any other store in Montana. You got expert advice, excellent inventory. You got you covered no matter what your firearm needs might be. Big Sky Breakdown also brought to you in part by Town Pump. I'm hitting the road to Bozeman this weekend to go watch the Cats take on Southern Utah. I'll be making a stop. Actually, I already made a stop. Prepping ahead. Went to Town Pump to get some gas. I'll probably stop one more time, get some caffeine and some water on the way out of town. Town Pump, no matter where you're at in Montana, there's a Town Pump food store near you. First and foremost, Ryan Tutel, ESPN Missoula, breaking down some of the intrinsic elements of the Bobcat and Grizzly football programs and uh, what they need to do to stay on track, what they need to do to re-reach the elite national level. Ryan Tutel. Yo, it's the Big Sky Breakdown. Coulter Nuanas, Ryan Tutel. Howdy. Ryan's wearing a wig. Yeah. Some overalls. Yeah. An orange torn shirt. Must be Halloween. Insane that it's the last day of October. Time goes faster the older you get. Everybody says that, but when you actually get in it and then you also have a job that revolves around weekly weekly crescendos. Yes. Like college yes. football. It's insane. Like when I actually think about like it seems like it was yesterday we were watching the first day of fall camp and it was last week when we were watching the Grizz you know play against Who'd they even open with? I don't even remember, but it seems like it was yesterday. Yeah, it was uh, on the road to South Dakota. I I, I was I was sitting North in Alabama, the uh, George Washington Library watching Montana State, oh, Texas right, Tech. You're there for Dave Matthews yeah, at the yeah. Gorge. Yeah. Anyways, it is the Big Sky Breakdown. SkySportsMT.com. Time keeps flying faster. Hopefully, this podcast makes your time fly faster in the best of ways. We got no plan for this thing today, so I just want to talk about. All of it, any any of it, and all of it. The biggest news right now in Montana is centered upon the quarterbacks at both the Montana schools. Dalton Sneed missed last game with an injury. Didn't seem to be any sort of panic mode for the University of Montana. Troy Anderson, who's sometimes a quarterback, sometimes not, has not been able to really figure out how to get fully healthy this year, and that has inhibited Montana State's progress. And Tucker Rovig... Continues to be a roller coaster at the very least at quarterback for Montana State. So, um, first and foremost, Ryan, 
First games of November. Montana State's hosting Southern Utah. Montana heads to Portland State. I think before the season, we chalked both these games up as wins for these two programs. I still think that's probably the case and what we would predict. But how's your mind, mindset, or how is your perception of these two teams changed as we enter the last month of the regular season? Well, my perception of Montana hasn't, I guess it has grown with the team over the course of the year, but I, you know, we thought Montana would be pretty good. And as we got closer and closer, I mean, I remember Coulter in mid July going, Yeah, you know, I think Montana, Montana's probably the fifth out of the top tier, which is a five team tier in the Big Sky Conference. And we had them both there because, frankly, they, you can't just go ahead and assert a team all of a sudden. They were, they didn't go to the playoffs last year, they haven't been to the playoffs in three years. Uh, and so you don't just sit there and go, okay. But as we went through and started to look at some of the games they lost, a lot of the losses, which were results of their own failings in terms of turnovers and and uh, different things along those lines, but not because of a talent deficiency, not because they couldn't you know play well and outside of the offensive line because they weren't uh, you know competitive or even better than their opponents in in a lot of ways, and so. You sat there and you went, okay, you know what? I think Montana, I mean, they retained a lot of guys. Like, they, they didn't ha- not have a lot of seniors that graduated last year. You returned Dante Olsen. You got the full secondary. Dalton Snead, of course. And the seniors that did graduate, there wasn't really very many premier guys among them. Jeremy Calhoun was a premier guy once upon a time, mm-hmm. but he was not last year. And a lot of the guys that were seniors last year were guys that were kind of just stuck in purgatory. I mean, like, kind of the leftover guys. I mean, Keenan Curran is probably you know maybe the best of the, that group, but he's at a position. There's so many good guys, you know. You they they can and have overcome the graduation of of a guy who was a really good wide receiver for this team because they have so many really good wide receivers on the team still, and and then the introduction of Marcus Knight you know, fills what was a one-year void. I mean, they were they were not good at running the football, but they were not good at running back last year. Totally. And now they are. And so, you know. And but, they completely, it wasn't just the addition of Marcus Knight. The whole depth chart has been replaced. For sure, yep. I mean, Nick you, you, Osmo go, you go to the, is, Nick Osmo yep. is the number two guy. Yep. And then if you got to, down to it, probably Drew Turner is the number three guy. Mm-hmm. And there's just, there's a lot of dudes that are, in the mix now ahead of the guys they had last year and and obviously the the improvement both from an addition standpoint Moses Mallory maybe most notably but also just a, a of an of an experience and an age and a size standpoint for the offensive line but I think that even before the the game against Southern Utah as we went through fall camp you still can't just go say okay I think Montana is going to be one of if not the team to beat in the Big Sky Conference and Jamie I can think that now. Game. But what's that? Game against Portland State, right? You said Southern Utah. That's who the Cats play. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, I didn't mean Southern Utah. I meant South Dakota. Yeah, sure, sure, Even sure. before the first week of the season, uh, I th- you could feel that kind of thing building. And then you start to wonder, well, here we are in Missoula. You know, is it just proximity bias? Is it, you know, that we're here seeing it? But uh, all of a sudden you start to get the, you get the feeling like, you know, you know what? I think this team's like pretty good, like maybe really good. And – and they have borne that out over the course of the season. They are not the team to beat in the Big Sky Conference. That right now will go to the winner of the game this weekend between Sacramento State and Weber State. That The winner of that game is the best team in the Big Sky Conference, point blank, period. Um, and the loser of that game, by the way, is the second best team in the Big Sky Conference, point blank, period. The third best team in the Big Sky Conference, without question, is Montana. 
And when I say that, I'm not even saying that they're the third best team. Like if if Weber State, Sac State, and Montana played a round robin right now, I, I don't know how it would go. It might be one and one all the way around. You know, it might be. So I'm not even saying that the other two teams are just definitively better, but obviously Sacramento State has a convincing victory over Montana, so you yep. can say nothing about that. And Weber State has just proven it time and again. So anyway, the point – and by the way, Montana and Weber will have their day uh, in a couple of weeks. So that – but Montana has uh, proven to me that it is not just building, but it is – I would say it has plateaued, and I don't mean that negatively, like where they're not getting better, they are getting better, but they have arrived at a place that is a top 10 team in the nation. They are one of the top 10 teams in the nation, period. They are a team that has uh, a lot of potential to 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 have uh, a playoff run of sorts, depending on how things set up. And I think, you know, if Montana and Sacramento State played in the playoffs – I would be so intrigued by that game. I think it would be a very different ball game than the first time around, and I think Sacramento State is a top-five team in the country. So I I think that those three teams are clearly the three best teams in the Big Sky Conference. And then after that, I think Montana State is is probably right there at four. And then it's probably UC Davis, and, and if you want to talk about North Dakota, though not a Big Sky team, as as one of the teams that's in there, so uh, isn't isn't North Dakota better than Montana State though at this moment? They just beat Montana State. I mean, and they beat UC Davis, and and they beat Sam Houston State. They got a better resume than either of those teams. I I understand what I understand what you're saying, and look, if you want to do the you are what your record says you are, then yes, North Dakota is better than Montana State. You got the same record, better wins. I still am. I mean it. It all matters. Here's the thing: like you could have, you could have the 22 best individual players in the Big Sky Conference on your football team and go 500. If you have the the five worst coaches, you could have the five best coaches on your football team, and none of the top half of the players in the Big Sky Conference, and probably win three quarters of your games. And I think coaching is so influential obviously at every level but particularly maybe in the big sky conference uh i just think that it i just think that it really matters and the other thing that really matters for montana state for all teams health health if troy anderson is a hundred percent montana state first of all beats north dakota period and second of all is winning games that are like that that were sort of maybe not definitive victories and so forth. They look a, like a completely different team. He's that good. He changes the complexion of what they are. But you know what? He's not 100%. And you know what? He's not going to be 100%. He's he is he is going to be whatever he is, 70% of Troy Anderson for the rest of the year if that. You know, if he can avoid re-injuring the 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 foot and the ankle and all that kind of stuff, and that's really sad, man. It's really disappointing because he's the best player in the Big Sky Conference, as far as I'm concerned. And and I want to see him at his best. And when he's at his best, he is he's he's unlike anything I've seen in the Big Sky Conference, unlike anything I've seen. And so that is as much as anything why this is the way it goes. But you know, you and I have talked quite a bit about how we think that the play calling and the um, and the game planning offensively at Montana State, even with Troy Isaiah Fonse, you know, not dinged up out, whatever, has just not been good. Like it just has not borne. It, they have not allowed themselves to be the best version of what they could be 
even with the injuries that they have. And that is disappointing because they have the talent, man. They got they, they their defense housed North Dakota last week. Housed them. They scored once North Dakota did on a trick play. You know, tip of the cap, you know, on a that shouldn't be enough to win you a football game, and it was. I mean, if, I did some statistical analysis. I wrote stories on each of Matt Miller and Kane Ione's first full seasons as coordinators on Jeff Choate's staff. Individual stories on each of them. You can go check those out, SkylineSportsMT.com. But Kane Ione's stats, against FCS opponents this year, Montana State's given up about 23 points per game. They're giving up about 360 yards of total offense. They're giving up 3.3 yards per rush, and last week they gave up 2.3 yards per rush. Those are excellent numbers. Those are numbers certainly good enough to to, yeah. to be a top-10 team, which is what Montana State hoped to be and have been at points of this year. It's just amazing the way that the quarterback situation has clouded everything. I want to go a different direction here in a minute. I'm going to ask you some of your biggest surprises and biggest disappointments from these two teams. But first, I want to talk about this. Since the Big Sky Cowards expanded in 2012, Cal Poly shared a league title. Eastern Washington has won or shared more than half, Several, of, more yeah. of half, more than half of the titles in that span. Idaho only in their second year back. Idaho State has not shared a Big Sky title since 2003. But, and Northern Arizona has not shared a Big Sky title uh, since the Jason Marietta days uh, early on in Jerome Sauer's tenure, but they have made the playoffs. Northern Colorado, not been in the mix. But Portland State has been a playoff team during that time, has shared a Big Sky title. Sac State looks like they're in line to do it this year. Southern Utah has shared two Big or won one and shared another. Big Sky titles made the playoffs three times. UC Davis, Big Sky title. Weber State. Working on their third straight Big Sky title. So what I'm getting at, with with the exception of the absolute have-nots in the league, Idaho State, Northern Colorado, everybody has had a year where they've risen up and been among, if not the best team in the Big Sky, except the Montana schools. The last time the Cats shared a Big Sky title was the first year of expansion in 2012. Last time the Grizz officially won a Big Sky title, 2009, although... I think vacated wins are just absolutely ridiculous because yeah. it happened. Montana State beat Mon- or Montana beat Montana State at, at Montana State in 2011 to share the the conference crown with the Cats. Everybody plays in that game remembers that game. There's no question. So even if you want to negate it because of violations, the point stands though. Montana has not shared a title since the league expanded. Montana State just the first year. Everybody else, everybody else, with the exception of the two most downtrodden programs. Uh, in the Western United States when it comes to football, I mean, who's more downtrodden than Northern Colorado at this moment? Nobody. And who's had a harder time figuring out how to win in the 1970s arena than Idaho State? I mean, there's this, uh, those two, have, they have intrinsic disadvantages, all that. But what I'm saying is that there's a lot of different factors that go into it. Getting hot at the right time, having things go your way, having the ball bounce your way, having special players, catching lightning in a bottle. Portal State caught lightning in a bottle in 2015, but they still did it, and they still beat Montana, Montana State, and Eastern Washington that year. They still got the sixth seed in the playoffs. Just how crazy is that, that the, the Montana schools have not been able to do it? And I want to know what you think are some of the factors, because to me I think there's a multitude of factors, and I think a part of it is exactly what we do for a living. I think a part of it is the fact that they're under a microscope. They have high pressure. They have high expectations. Managing and mitigating high expectations is a part of your offseason and season if you're the Cats or the Grizz every single year. 
That's not the case at so many other schools. You can just straight ride it. You, you, like UC Davis's true expectations, the, the pressure of being one of the top teams in the country, they, that did not surface until late October last year. Whereas when you're the Cats, you're having to hear for nine months how you guys are going to be a top eight team. When you're the Grizz, man, Bobby Houck's back. We better start winning 85% of our games now. What do you think? What do you think of just the exterior stuff? And why, how do you explain the fact that everybody, even teams, I mean, Jeff Choate said two weeks ago in his press conference, the Big Sky is a homogeneous league. False. False. Montana State takes charters, Portland State rides buses. Yeah. <laughs> Cedar City, Utah's in the middle of a canyon, not in the middle of, the, of a postcard like Bozeman, Montana. You know, I mean, Northern Colorado plays on a grass field that has 4,500 seats in the stadium. It's not 27,000 people like Washington Grizzly Stadium. It is not a homogeneous league. It is a completely stratified league. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of things, man. But you know what the one thing that I come back to? I mean, the, it don't overlook the obvious. It's the coach. Coaches. That's it. I mean, Alabama is on – Maybe the greatest run in the history of college football right now, right? Well, well, why? Well, well, because Nick Saban is there. Before Nick Saban arrived, Alabama was pretty good, and before whoever was before Nick Saban, who I don't even know, Mike Price, Mike Price, Alabama was bad. Mike Price, Mike Price of Weaver State lore. So a- a- Alabama, you know, they have all this history with Bear Bryant and everything, and it's this college mecca and. You know, Tuscaloosa and everything else and no pro teams and it's, you know, it's, you know, it's God and the president and the king all rolled up into one. Alabama football. Okay. And guess what? They were between below average, average and good for several, for like a couple decades. Well, you know, with some outlying individual seasons, but overall until Saban shows up. And now everybody goes, well, of course, it's Alabama. Well, no, not of course it's Alabama. Of course, it's Nick Saban. Of course, it's Urban Meyer. Why was Utah great? Urban. Why was, you know, Florida, Ohio State. And you can say what you want to say about Urban Meyer, about, you know, all this stuff. That's the reason why. So I I think it's what you're saying is absolutely accurate. I also think it comes full circle to my point. Because the expectations are so ridiculously high, and because the CAC rivalry is so, in certain ways, beyond out of control, and so, in certain ways, beyond unhealthy, it's actually ridiculous. I think it's glorious, man. But but here's what I'm saying. Yeah. If Rob Ash went 70 and 38 at any school in the Big Sky Conference that was outside of the state of Montana, they're building a statue for that guy. No doubt. And but, he lost seven out of nine to the Grizz, and he lost in some embarrassing fashions. I mean, when you get blown out as the number one team in the country in your own house to your rival, that's a loss that is way bigger than just one loss. I get it. But at the same time, the expectations can weigh so heavily. So what I guess what I'm saying is, like, if you have unrealistic expectations, which a lot of coaches would tell you the expectations, we, we, we preach – what we think the Montana schools should be. They should be the top two teams in the Big Sky Conference and two of the f- six or eight best teams in the country year in and year out. They mm-hmm. should. Given their resources, their fan bases, they should. But if you get to the point of too unrealistic and you let the coaching carousel spin out of control, which I think is, you know, no one could have predicted the demise of Mike Kramer. That had an influence on everything that's happened afterwards at Montana State. Mm-hmm. But 
you know, and and, and I, I covered the Rob Ash era up close and personal. I saw the way that it got stale internally. You know, they were they were winning externally, still kind of hanging on by a thread. But a lot of that was because they had a spectacular quarterback in Dakota Prukop. And then when it went bad, it went real bad in 2015. And I wasn't, I didn't think it was a, an outrageous firing when they didn't renew Rob Ash's contract. I thought it was probably time for something new. But I'm just saying you got to be careful because if you just completely if you prioritize certain elements too much all of a sudden i think you're going to get yourself stuck and so but i agree also we we were talking about this the other day robin flugrad good dude he's been on two telenuanas my brother played for him for a year he's a, he's a good coach and, and he had a great second year at montana 2011 when they rode it to the semifinals of the playoffs mick delaney one of our all-time favorite guys couldn't be a nicer guy but now that and bob stitt you know, whatever. Not a good fit at Montana. Probably not as bad of a coach as people have made him out to be around Missoula. But it just was never going to be. He was. He was. He was an awful choice to be the Montana head coach. He, not because he's not a good head coach or even a perfectly fine person. He's just not for here. He's period. just not. He's not for Mont- Missoula. Yeah. But now that Bobby Houck's back, it's like wow. Yeah. Wow. Th- this is somebody that is the perfect fit for Montana. Mm-hmm. This is somebody that is so el- far. Elite, so far. Elite. At, at the, uh, the parts of Montana you need to be elite at, though. That's mm-hmm. where Bobby Houck, you're right, it is a so far thing. But when you go watch them practice, the way they practice and how much better literally every guy on their team gets, that's what you have to have at Montana. Yeah. The Montana schools, they bought their own legend. They bought their own prestige. And they thought, man, we can recruit on this crazy high level. And you can. But the heart and soul of what this these programs have to be is developmental. You have to get the dudes that you can get from in-state and other dudes from out-of-state, too, that are half-scholarship guys, chip-on-their-shoulder guys, and you have to develop those guys. Like Jeff Choate's gotten, I think, 38 three-star recruits over the last three recruiting classes. Almost every single one of those guys has not panned out. When you look at his roster, almost every single one of his best players, with the exception of the guys he brought in as Pac-12 transfers, you look at Derek Marks, Chase Benson, Braden Conkle, and these are all Montana dudes, half of them who even committed to Rob Ash. Like yeah. the best guys are the dudes who the program means something to. So I think when you see Bobby Hawk back in the fold, it's a good point. But continue, because I do think that that's part of it is is the coaching for sure. Um, but what do you think of just the way that the expectations sometimes could be detrimental to the programs? I don't know. I, I don't think the expectations. I mean, I, 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 there's a lot of different ways to go about it. The expectations are clearly there. I don't think it's so much the media or us. I think it's a reality of everybody in the in in Montana and in Missoula and in Bozeman, um, constantly being focused on what it is that you're up to and what your program's doing. And I think that there's some guys who can deal with that and some guys that can't. I don't even think it's a matter of pressure. I think it's a matter of labor. I think it's. I mean, when you and I leave here and we go to the grocery store, what do we do? We buy groceries and go home. What do the head coaches do? They have 11 conversations, 10 of which they don't want to have, but they put the smile on and they do the thing, and it takes them two hours to get a bucket of ramen. Because think, you think Bobby Houck actually goes Hell no. <laughs> hell no. Have you seen Bobby Houck out once in the streets of Missoula, Montana? Not, I mean, not he, since he, he came back. I used to see him a lot. Yeah, yeah. The first and, time and, and I'm not saying he's not out there, but what I'm saying is you're out there, you're only out there on a very deliberate and, and you know, conscious way okay you're not just oh yeah we got it you know i gotta go grab a couple of things like that 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 ain't happening so anyway the point being is though 
if you can deal with that, that's fine. That doesn't really affect your team, though, as much as it just affects you. Can you deal with that as an individual, which ultimately does affect your team? The pressure, though, is the pressure comes with the expectation and the resources that you have. And we've already talked about that. Like, there is no the stratification, this is not a homogeneous league. It is as stratified as any conference, in fact, more stratified than any conference in America at, and at just about any level. I mean, it's it's unbelievable the difference between Montana and Northern Colorado, between Montana State and Southern Utah, between, you know, you name it, and you have everybody in between. And some schools have a lot of things going for them. I mean, Sac State, even Cal Poly, um, UC Davis, these schools have a lot going for them, and they have a lot working against them. Excuse me, Montana, Montana State have basically everything working for them. And that is why the expectation is there and the history is there. And so the fact, though, that they haven't won in the last five or six years is is simply a reflection on the coaching situation that's been there. Obviously, for Montana, all, all Grizz fans are going to point All the Grizz fans are going to point to you know everything that f- ha- had to do with the fallout, um, you know, between the sanctions, losing scholarships, the loss in prestige of the university, the down enrollment, the you know how many guys were lost in recruiting battles that would have come to the University of Montana that ended up saying no, we're not going there because you know of of the fallout of all of the the, the sexual assault stuff and everything like that. I think that is largely in the rear view, but that had long-lasting ramifications, man, long-lasting ramifications. It still ramifies to an extent today. Um, and so, you know, to, to not acknowledge that that is a factor or play, you know, could play a factor in, in that for the Grizzlies certainly I, I think is silly because that's real. But also the coaching – I think that Mick Delaney was the perfect guy – to be the head coach when he was the head coach because of the situation that Montana was in. But, you know, especially at that point in his career and everything like that, I don't think that he, you know, it, it, it's, you needed to get, you need, you know, you needed to take the next guy after him to really start to rebuild the program. And the next guy after him turned out to be Bob Stitt. And it was just flat out the wrong, he was the wrong coach for the job. He was, it was a poor hire. It was a bad hire. And so then they, you know, the pendulum swings all the way back to Bobby Houck. And as of right now, it looks, you know, the key is fitting the lock just as it's supposed to, so to speak. And and I don't know if that means that Montana is going to win. Because here's the other thing. This is the other factor that I wanted to get to beyond just the coaching. When Montana and or Montana State were the best teams in the Big Sky Conference, and you can throw Eastern Washington in there a little bit historically, you know, recent history as well. Everybody else, though, isn't stupid. And they are trying, you know, there's there's a lot of smart administrators, smart presidents, smart ADs, smart head coaches around the country. And when you get the right person at the right spot, looks like maybe Troy Taylor at Sac State, looks like maybe Dan Hawkins at UC Davis, all of a sudden, what can they do? They can maximize the resources they have, and they can do a better job at what they're doing than you are at what you're doing. And so the level of play from the from the other schools has increased dramatically, and I think that is certainly part of the reason. 
I still don't think that changes what Montana, Montana State should be totally. because of what they have. But it, it isn't as if they should be 11-0, and both of them, and everybody else should be 2-9. and You know, there's going to be some other really good nationally elite teams and programs in the Big Sky Conference, and that's the way it is. And, and, and that's a good thing, and that's a good thing. The other factor that I've observed, I think that this really, this was the demise of Rob Ash, no question. I think it's been something that's really hindered the Grizz as well, is that there's a there's been a, a sense of entitlement from the players as well as, um, I think the worst thing that could ever happen to you as a college football program is when you take things for granted or you become entitled and you lose your edge, you lose your hunger. I, the other, what I, I guess what I'm saying is when you're Bruce Barnum and you take over at Portland State and you say, boys, this football program is going to go away unless we win. So we're going to ride a bus and we're going to go play anybody and everybody and we're going to save this thing and we're going to prove everybody wrong. It's easy to play with an edge when you're playing for the life of your program, when you're playing for a dude who you'd run through a wall for, when you're playing when nobody even knows who you are or believes in you whatsoever, when you can be the renegades, when you can be the chip-on-your-shoulder guys, I think that the Montana schools, it's like, oh, we're Montana. We play for the Grizz. Like, Of course we're going to beat Northern Colorado. And then what did the Grizz do? They lost to Northern Colorado twice. Crazy. How? Like, that would – that was the brilliance of the the first modern era of Grizz dominance was even with Washington Grizzly Stadium, even with the prestige and the tradition. I think so much of the the one year contracts that Bobby Houck and his staff had to have their first time around it matriculated all the way down through the program where everybody thought they were coaching for their jobs at all times. Everybody knew that their starting spot was up for grabs, and that's the psychological warfare that Coach Houck rages internally in a program all the time. Like it doesn't matter if you're Colt Anderson and you're about to get drafted in the NFL. If you have a bad practice on Tuesday, you might be with the twos on on Wednesday, just to try to motivate you. No spot is safe. That I think got lost. I think that they, there was a star system that was created at Montana, and trying to every every slot on the roster one through ninety nine having to be a work and you had to work to earn that spot. That sort of went away, and I think that there was also like, man, we got the nicest jerseys, we got the nicest stuff, we got the nicest everything. Of course, when teams come to our house, we're going to win. Of course, when we go on the road, we're going to go win at Southern Utah and their little, you know, high school like stadium pressed up against the softball field. And it's just not the case. And at Montana State, I mean, those guys were so entitled by the end of the Rob Ash years. He was bringing in so many transfers, and there was no, there was no grit and hunger internally. They were never hitting at practice, they were never doing any of that stuff. And you could just see the whole thing erode. And I just think that when there's a distinct difference in all sports when you're the hunter or the hunted. And Montana has been the hunted. And Montana and Montana State have both been the hunted for a long time. But when you're the hunted because you are the number one team in the country, like the Grizz were the first decade of this century, that's totally different than when you're the hunted and you're not that level. Because you're just the rich kid. Exactly. And now everybody is just reveling in beating you. Yeah. Like how 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 much did Bruce Barnum love beating Bob Stitt in Portland in the pouring rain? I mean, just you're reveling in just kicking the shit out of the Montana schools. Yeah. And you hear like during the Rob Ash time, you would walk on the sidelines and you you would just hear it. These guys are soft. These guys are the softest team in the league. They might have dudes 
they might have talent, but these guys are soft. Let's just beat their ass. And that's how Montana State, that's what happened to them. So I, I don't know. I think that both schools have guys that have at least X'd out that por- portion of it. Now it, it, it just, just it's such an incremental process to get back up because, like you said, everybody's gotten better. Everybody remains hungry. Everybody still revels in being the Montana schools. They do, but you can be the hunted and the hunter at the same time. Montana right now is 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 the hunted, uh, and so is Montana State, by the way, because they're still the premier football programs in the Big Sky Conference. But Montana, at least, is also hunting. I mean, they are going at teams, and they are uh, they are playing with an edge that I think is uh, you know I haven't seen since I've been back in Missoula until now. And and that's what everybody you know what Grizz fans were hoping they would see out of a Bobby Houck team, and they are seeing that. Uh, for Montana State, that is, you know, it's amazing what two games and three weeks can do to 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 my perception of Montana State. But they just, I mean, even Jeff Choate said it after the the game. We played not to lose. We played tight, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, they played tight, but they also, they just like, in the movie Ice Age, there's a there's a woolly mammoth that thinks it's a squirrel, I think it is, or whatever, you know, and it's trying to climb trees, and the tree is just collapsing, and then, the, you know, this, this, you know, I don't know, this dog runs by, and it takes off scared, tries to hide behind a rock, you know what I mean? And it's like it's never seen itself before because there's no mirrors in the Ice Age, you know. And then at some point it looks in a pond and sees its reflection. It's like, oh, damn, I'm a giant woolly mammoth, you know. What do I have to be afraid of? And I just feel like collectively Montana State hasn't looked in the mirror like that. I don't understand why they don't see, not that they don't see, but that they don't, they don't play as if they believe that they are what they are. I mean, if you took the collection of talent that is there, and made them play with 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 an edge and an attitude and an angst and an anger that that football sometimes requires. They they would house teams. It seems to me house them. And, and this is this is just the, doesn't it hasn't happened. This is the most fascinating thing to me. Is that this is not a current problem. This is an omnipresent problem across all of Montana State athletics for 15 years. Well, and here's the last a- time Montana State had the attitude that you're talking about, not th- there's no question that Montana State has shown that in certain games, yes. n- namely the Cacaris game three years in a row. No I doubt. mean, that, what you're talking about, when they do play with that edge, I mean, goodness, they look ferocious when they're on they're angry about it, yes. I mean, they, like... You, you can't hit people harder than they did in that 2016 game, yeah. Jeff Choate's first Cat Grizz game, and that team was not good. Yeah, And they just straight smashed the Grizz. I mean, they just straight shoved it up their ass. They they beat the Grizz how Montana used to beat Montana State back in the early, mid-2000s. And uh, so they can't they can do it, but but the, the consistency of it, it hasn't existed since Mike Kramer in the D-block defense with guys like Kane Ione and Roger Cooper and – you know John Montoya and John Taylor, but those dudes—they had the chip of we lost to the Grizz sixteen years in a row. We're Montana's winning national titles, and we're just lowly Montana State. But it's happened across the board. The only athlete and the only group of players I've seen that's been able to 
for the sake of this conversation, we're going to call it the Bobcat Syndrome. The only team that's been able to overcome that, punch through the, not having a fear of failure, actually achieve your full potential, be the ferocious, tough team you should be all the time. The only team I ever saw do that was the Montana State women's basketball team. They lost on a buzzer, half-court buzzer beater the first year in Reno when they were the number one seed. And then the next year, Peyton Ferris said, nah, that is not happening. Is that We are going to the NCAA tournament. And she had one of the great Montana legendary seasons ever for an in-state product and led Montana State all the way to the NCAA tournament. Yeah. But besides that, I mean, there's been so many times when the Cats are so good here's and what, they've fallen just short. Here's what I don't understand. When you talk about Rob Ash, you can understand, like, okay, like, the, 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 the first of all, his own personality, which the team does take on no matter who you have around you, and also uh, just the style of football and, you know, lighten up the scoreboard and everything like that. Okay, that's fine. Jeff Choate is exactly the guy externally that should be the guy that the team, when they take on that personality, is the very thing that we're asking it to be. And yet, at, at times it has been, but at a lot of times, and recently, it has not been, and I don't know why it's shrinking from that. I think that the thing is, though, is that there hasn't really been a... We haven't experienced a coach that has set the stage and talked in the manner that Jeff Choate has talked since the day he took the job. He's yeah. one of the great orators I've ever been around in any form. Yeah. I mean, you, you can tell he has a background in education because when he gets in front of a microphone, there is no tact or him and Han. He straight just spews a sermon. You think and, he'd be good on the radio? <laughs> I mean, goodness gracious. I mean, he comes in there with his two-sided note card. Yeah. He gives you a 10-minute just piece of gold about whatever it is. Yeah. And sometimes it's like a full-on confession, like it was last week. You know, yeah. and I, I give him a ton of credit for for being so accountable. No and doubt, taking a lot of. I mean, he knew coming out of last week that everybody and anybody that's in the media or that analyzes his program was going to be able to just kill Tucker Rovick, Matt Miller, you know, everybody that's involved in the Bobcat offense. And Choate said, "Yo, this is on me. I am the head coach. This is my fault. Blame it on me." Mm-hmm. Front page of all the Lee Enterprise newspapers is Choke taking the blame. Mm-hmm. And Skyline Sports, we're writing a story all about Choke takes accountability. It's a brilliant tactic. Take it off the kids. Take it on the guy who's tough enough to handle it, which he is. And take it off of your assistant coaches, too. Totally. But when you predict what's going to happen game by game, we're going to lose big. We're going to lose close. We're going to win close. And then all of a sudden, you're to the point where it is nut-cutting time. It is mid-October, and you are supposed to be winning big, and you are on a five-game winning streak, and now you have the meteor schedule coming up where you're playing the teams that can actually compete with you that you have to beat. To me, it seems as if they just had stage fright. Yeah, yeah. They were surprised by Sac State because I think coming into the year, you're like, man, okay, we're going to get to the midpoint of the Big Sky Conference season undefeated. We're going to beat the first several teams we play. We're going to go in the bye on a a six-game winning streak. Wow, Sac State's better than we thought. Okay, well, let's go look in the mirror, and then they go to Grand Forks, North Dakota, and they just have stage fright. I mean, they just straight wilted in the moment. And I think that's why this is a absolutely paramount next two weeks for Montana State, because it doesn't matter if Southern Utah, Northern Colorado are bad. This, this team has to win in dominant fashion, and if they do, everything that they still wanted to be true is out in front of them, because they could get back to that level. They could. I mean, right now, it seems as if they're so downtrodden that – they're not going to beat UC Davis. They're not going to beat Montana. But they could. And if they could get back to their best level, they could roll those teams. All it takes is one week. Exactly. Yes. And I think that the stage fright is a real factor from a, a, a just a total perspective. But I also think that when you don't have your leading actor, 
it's pretty tough. But, you know, the other thing, too, is that so much has been made, and not just by the media, not just by the fans, not just by the boosters, but I think by the coaches and everything else about the, the quarterback situation. Yes. That at some point, you just got to go bleep it. This is what we are. We don't care anymore about any of this. We're going to line up everybody behind center, whoever's there, we're going to go roll. Period. Shut up. Let's go play football. What What has Jay Hill done the last several years? Right. He's never let the quarterback be They're an like issue whatsoever. Right. Yeah. I mean, Caden Jenks was not really good until he got hurt last year. Jay Constantine wasn't good until Caden Jenks got hurt. When Jenks got hurt, Constantine was actually good for about a month. But other than that, Weber State has been nowhere close to spectacular at quarterback, and they've won, I don't know, counted up now, I think 28 out of the last 31 league games. Yep. And, uh, and, and I do think that Montana State, I mean, again, I guess the, 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 the frustrating thing is that the potential is there because the dudes that they have, you know, healthy or not, like the guys that they have that are there are top-tier talent in the Big Sky Conference, period, end of story. This is a team that can be and should be one of the central contenders for a conference championship. No doubt. And they have they have fallen behind the other three teams this season clearly they are behind montana they're behind weber they're behind sacramento state and and look man even if they go and rush for 350 yards and th- score 49 points against southern utah saturday which by the way they absolutely could do and they probably will i mean southern utah's got the worst rush defense in the conference and so i mean it's just Montana State's licking their lips. Nothing. Prospects. It's almost none of this is going to matter to me until until UC Davis. I mean, this is why these losses, and especially North Dakota, was was such a horrendous one because I'm not sure that even if they come out and they play, you know, that ass beaten style of football, it, it's going to ring hollow because it it wasn't. You know, it's okay. It's Southern Utah. Okay, it's Northern Colorado. Let me know when you play somebody that matters and you show up and you do them. You know what I mean? And 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 UC Davis, I still think is a good football team, especially playing on the road. That's a big game for Montana State, no matter what the ranking is and all of that. That's a huge, huge game for Montana State, and it's three weeks away. So you use these games to figure it out, but it it is about the installation to an extent of the play calling, and then also of just the mentality that they need to have. There's so much talk about the parallels between Bobby Houck and Jeff Choate. And when Bobby Houck was hired back, everybody's like, man, this is going to be so crazy, the Cat rivalry between these two guys. They're both so intense. They're both such great leaders, blah, 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 blah. I think that the biggest difference is twofold. It's it's easy to forget that Jeff Choate is in his infancy as a head coach. Yep, He's been a head high school coach at small schools in Idaho, but that's – it's not the bright lights of Montana State. And, you know, people that were outside of the state of Montana would laugh at me saying the bright lights of Montana State. But we talked about this with Stu Morrill on our Grizz Greats podcast series. I said, Stu, you know, when you're the head basketball coach of the University of Montana and you're Stu Morrill and you're six foot eight, every person <laughs> right. knows, every person in Missoula knows who you are. Everybody knows who you are. So even if it's only, you know, talking hundreds of thousands compared to millions of people that know you, the percentage of people in the place that you live know you and care about it deeply. And so yeah. there is so much pressure at these jobs. Bobby Houck knows how to handle the pressure, and he's also in his, count them up, 13th year as a head coach, yeah. 14th year as a head coach. I mean, there, you'd be hard-pressed to find a dude in his early 50s with as much head coaching experience as Bobby Houck has. And so I think that's where you see you know, the, the confidence 
shift, it took Montana State four years to rebuild the mental part of the culture. Montana flipped it in a year. Mm-hmm. And I think that's because Bobby Houck just knows how to do it. Excellent. See, we're so good when we don't have a plan. <laughs> we're good when we don't have a plan because we're good. Yeah, maybe. I just think we need to have a radio show with no breaks where we can say swear words. Sounds like a podcast. <laughs> just like this one, the Big Sky Breakdown. Presented in part, Town Pump Food Stores. When's the next time you're coming to Bozeman? Are you coming to Bozeman again this year? Oh, yeah, of course you are. Kakar is. I will be in Bozeman. I'm intending uh, for uh, two nights. I'm hoping for two nights. Great, man. We'll, Show we'll, up we'll be, on the Friday. We'll, we'll, be there ta- the we'll stop at Town Pump's. Once on the way out of Missoula, yeah. once on in between. And the entrance in. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll go to in Butte, and then we'll go in Bozeman, and then we'll go in Bozeman, and then in Butte, and then Missoula. So we'll have all sorts of talent. We're going to hit them all up. That's right. We're going to buy everything that they have at their disposal. That's great. Snacks. Drinks. Of course. Road trip snacks are the best. Yeah. When we get there, the last purchase we'll make before we roll into your house is going to be a, a town pump liquor store somewhere where we can. The only thing better than having a a, a commercial free radio show where you can swear is where one you can drink on to. Which is what we will have on your couch on the Friday evening. Can't wait. Uh, so thank you, Town Pump. Town Pump, that. thanks so much for sponsoring this podcast. And so I armory. Probably go stop in the cellar armory in Bozeman too, because I I've only seen the new store once. I'd like to go in there with you because I know that you uh, you know the ins and outs of that place. Yeah. It's a great place. They got the greatest firearms inventory you're going to find in Montana, and that store particularly. There's locations in both Missoula and Bozeman, both great places, but the new one in Bozeman, pristine, more inventory than you could ever imagine, and expert advice. Go in there; those guys will get you set up with any of your firearm needs, ammunition, whatever you need. It's the heart of hunting season. If you need, you got a question on a new rifle you want to buy, or you have something that maybe something that's malfunctioning, whatever you need, they got you covered for everything. Take the Selway Armory Challenge. Shop with Selway Armory for a year. Guarantee you're going to save money compared to anywhere else yes. in the state of Montana. It's out there on the uh, corner of Jackrabbit and Baxter, heading out towards Four Corners. Great spot. Uh, great brand new building that they got out there. And uh, yeah, you walk in the doors and you think you're going into kind of a little, uh, kind of a. Uh, I don't know, a little little corner store type of thing, and then you find out, oh, no, no, this is like a big old bad warehouse full of guns and ammo and everything else. So Subway Armory is, uh, it is Montana's firearm superstore. Big Sky Breakdown, stay tuned. Much more content about the Bobcats, the Grizzlies, and the rest of the Big Sky Conference. Skyline Sports, every day, every season, SkylineSportsMT.com. We go now to the Regis Brothers RV hotline, and we welcome in well, one of our best buds from around the world, it is Bruce Bartum, the head coach of the Portland State Vikings football team. Portland State, of course, hosting the University of Montana this weekend over there in Portland, in Hillsboro. Coach, great to have you on again. Thanks so much for being with us. How you doing? Good. What's going on over there? Well, you know, we're just living our best life, 10 degrees and sunshine, like always in <laughs> uh, in western Montana. And, uh, Bruce, we got to start with this. Uh, we didn't know if maybe you, you know, Bobby Houck called you a liar earlier this week because he had not received his Dots pretzels and then tweeted out the picture of the big box. So you, a man of your words, sent over the Dots pretzels, and he was very happy to share those with everybody involved, it seemed like. Beautiful. I'd like to start with, uh, you know, Bobby Howe 
questioning my word. I might have to punch him in the neck next time I see him. <laughs> well, that's going to be Saturday, isn't it? I mean, that's well, yeah, gonna but see. he's going to have all those state troopers around him, for Christ's sake. <laughs> you know? I got one CIA guy, and he's up at the beer stand. <laughs> <laughs> well, Coach, uh, you guys, uh, your team came in. You won uh, an outstanding game, played really well in a game that uh, – that culminated in a game-winning field goal for you in Missoula last year and kind of sent Montana a little bit of a tailspin. They lost three in a row from that point on, and your season really kind of got kick-started out of that win. When you look at this matchup this year, how much can you take away from the win last season going into Saturday? A bag of pretzels. That's about it. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing. I mean, different venue, number one, which, you know, uh, don't get me wrong, I love playing in Washington Grizz. Probably my favorite place I've coached, but um, I don't mind getting that check mark and I'm coming over here to my stadium. It's about as far away as Washington Grizz as you're going to get on game day. Um, but uh, it's a matchup, you know. I see it, honestly, I see it as a watching the film and that. Depending on what quarterback they have. You know, Humphrey's a different game than uh, the mighty Sneed. So um, I can see it possibly as being a, a muddy fans don't enjoy unless you're a true, you know, grit guy, defensive battle. You know, I tried to run the ball against him last year umpteen times, and I think I had one run for over 20 yards, and that's not our world, you know. Um, so, uh, realistically, last year, you know, getting out of there, uh, with our we had turnovers. They had obviously gave traded us back, uh, but it was tough moving the ball out there that was a a muddy ass game you you talk you you mentioned it right there about how you know this could be two different ball games depending on who's playing quarterback what is the difference i mean we you can obviously talk about starter backup but what is the difference on the field from what you've seen from dalton sneed over a year and a half and now one game sample from from cam humphrey well you know rosie they're doing it right they have they're taking the talents of whoever the guy is you know, and changing their game, they they change. You know, last week they rolled Eastern Washington up in the mighty. Aaron, read my articles, best in the run game, you know, with 13 personnel. And, you know, Humphrey was more of a, he's a general, you know. He's a general. He's at the front of the line. He's got four stars on his deal. He's got the cap, and he's saluting the flag. Then you send in Dalton Steen, he's a marvel comic spider-man i mean he's all over the place jumping doing stuff he shouldn't be doing you're like yeah that's not that's not real (laughs) you know so it's two different game plans right you mentioned the difference in venue barney and i know that you've talked about just having to embrace the situation you guys have playing at hillsborough stadium and it seems like you guys actually relish the opportunity to play there and undefeated at home so how do you cultivate that mindset in your team um i have to i don't i don't i don't have an option uh, Coulter, we, I'm not going to complain. I can't if I complain about stuff around here. Uh, Coulter, I, I, I'd go crazy. So we know the issue. We make the best of it. In fact, I just heard one of my people came in and uh, said they painted a, a big old thing. I don't even know what it is in the middle of the field. I'm hoping they, it's a Viking shield, not a you know bear or some maroon deal. Um, uh, so they're they're sprucing it up for us, but it, you'll see it. It needs some work, you know. You mentioned the fact that the venue is different and almost everything about the game is different. How does Montana look different to you as you prepare for them? Well, the defense is the same. I mean, it's there's different pieces. Some are gone. Some have replaced. 
you know, the ones that are back, we're, we saw most of them last year. Uh, Kent Bear is the same. He's going to have run blitz. Kent, the D coordinator, blitzes uh, like like the old days. You know what I mean? He's not afraid to do it. He has the people to do it. He's. He, I think his philosophy is we're going to hit your quarterback, and we don't have to cover very long. And it's not man. We're going to drop our ends. We're going to drop our nose. You know, or we're going to confuse your quarterback and make him throw hot, uh, and still be able to cover. It's a melee, you know. And every once in a while, you're going to pop him. We're trying to come up with some things because last year the question was how are we going to protect. You know, when we ask our guy to throw, how are we going to protect? Because it was a constant blitz. So last year we did something. We're going to do something else this year. You know, so you have to for that and I have to be able to run the ball somehow. Uh, then you flip over again, uh, you know, everybody knows McGee, uh, like they're back. Uh, they got dudes all, all over the field. It's just a question there, I think, of who's going to uh, be you know, behind center. Because it is two different games for them right now. And on the other side, what's different about your team since the last time you guys played Montana? Oh, we're better. I like my team, Colter. We're, you know, we lost last week, which you know, I got a coaching error. You know, I got to teach my guys that, you know, in the big sky, sometimes third and five really equals third and eight. You know, there's things that happen in that game that we have to correct. Uh, we made a couple mistakes. You can count about four plays in that game that if we don't do them, we win, you know. But I say that not as an excuse. As I saw a football team in the second half come out, you know, because we got swamped early. We got down 14 goose. You know, on a scoreboard, and we're like, you know, okay, what's happening? And I've, uh, I think the Portland State of old throws in the towel and asks, you know, one's a Popeye's chicken coming, let's get on that bus and go back to Phoenix. And no way. <laughs> My team came together and said, F these guys, let's go. And they fight. This team fights. I got some talent, you know. I hide holes like everybody. I still got a couple holes that will patch up, but I like my football team. Well, that's how we're different. We're we're better receiver. My quarterback's better. Uh, he's got a year under his belt. I'm better up front on the old line. I have more D linemen. Uh, defense is taking a hit uh, at defensive end and uh, a couple spots, but I'm getting a lot of those guys back for these last, you know, the last third of the season. So we're a better football team. Bruce Barnum joining us. He's the head coach of the Portland State Vikings. They're hosting the University of Montana on Saturday, 2 o'clock Pacific, 3 o'clock Mountain Standard Time. And, uh, Coach, you said you like your team. 5-4, and 3-2 and two in the Big Sky Conference. And, like, like you said, I mean, a two-point game in Northern Arizona could have gone either way last week. But now, you kind of have an interesting run here at the end of the year with Montana, UC Davis, Eastern Washington. And uh, when you looked at the schedule, and now you've seen the way that this season has kind of developed, and UC Davis, Eastern Washington a little bit susceptible. What do you think is out in front of you guys here for the last three weeks of this year as you, you make a run and see what you got in the tank. Well, uh, this this is the peak, you know. If you're looking at the schedule and you're climbing the mountain, uh, we're at the peak because I think Davis and Eastern, oh, obviously Eastern because Eastern has already gone head-to-head with Montana. Has Davis? They did. Yeah, they, 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 they did. They did. Yep. I did watch that one. I'm sorry. I'm watching um, team games. Trying to get a first down in the first half. You got to excuse my memory. You know, I told Hauk yesterday, he's joking about pretzels or something. I said, damn it. I said, leave me alone. I'm trying to get a first down <laughs> before the third quarter starts. You 
Anyway. Thank you, Bruce, for noting that we are on the FCC regulated airways. That was great, you know, that was great just, filter by you there. I just filtered six words. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even remember your damn question. What was it? Uh, it was something absurd about the last three weeks of the season. Oh, Montana's the top. If we can somehow uh, keep this close in the fourth quarter, you know, and sneak one from the Grizz, you know, uh, the rest get easier. Yeah. Uh, we got to get this is, this is the toughest game on our schedule besides Arkansas and Boise. I want to ask about a couple guys on your offense. You mentioned Davis Alexander and his progression. What have you seen? How has he grown? Just looking at his stats, looks like he's more explosive, more productive, running the ball better, throwing the ball better, all the way around an improved player. He is. You know, honestly, Colter, he, he was on a serious upswing, and he made one critical mistake last week that he's kicking himself for. He threw a right at the end of the half. We drove down to sneak some points, and he threw a pick in the end zone. That's honestly his only bad decision in the last probably four weeks. You know, and he's doing great things. Um, he's utilizing his talent. He's getting guys lined up. He's short, you know, but he has a big arm. You know, I, I, I compare him a little bit to, to their Sneed. You know what I mean? He's more of a, he's not as uh, as Gumby-ish as Sneed. Uh, he's more of a Captain America compared to a Spider-Man Sneed. You know, but he's he's fearless. He can run. If you get everything bottled up and, and you don't contain him, he's going to get the first down for us. He's just and he's plugged into what I want. We're trying to stay in front of the chains and keep the mighty Grizz or the opposing offense off the field. You know, and he's doing a nice job of that. Last question for you, then, the mighty Grizz. You guys have gotten up for this game during your tenure every time, and you guys have beat them in Portland, you beat them in Missoula, now they're back in Portland at a new venue, place Bobby Houck's never been, the staff has never been to. What sort of energy, what sort of effort, what sort of enthusiasm do you hope your team brings to the matchup on Saturday? Oh, they're, I, I, you know, Coach, I haven't worried about that this year. Uh, I, I've got I've got sophomore captains. I mean, i got some leaders in that locker room that, you know, there, there was a cloud, for instance, uh, after that Sunday night meeting, um, after Northern Arizona, and they stood up and they said, you know, because I had some issues. I said, make sure Northern Arizona doesn't meet you twice, and you know, told them a bunch of coaching stuff. And they stood up to coach. They said, Barney, don't worry, we got this. There'll be no drop off. You know, so this is a big game, and so is next week. And everyone has been. It is a Grizz, but I, I try to keep them naive. Guys, I, I don't tell them all the stuff, you know. I don't tell them that I brought Brody there, uh, my oldest, when uh, the stit was was in the show. And we, I remember getting in the car, Coulter, I think I told you this. We got in the car afterwards and we're leaving. You know, we went on an unofficial visit. And I said, you know, hey, Brody, what do you think? Because, shoot, shoot, both my kids want to go to Montana. How the hell does that happen? I mean, how does that happen, Barney? You know, that's, you know? that's BS. What kind of recruiter am I? <laughs> but we get in the car, and I said, what'd you think? You know, we did the campus tour, and he goes, Dad, they sh you should never beat them. I'm sorry. <laughs> I said, you know what? Kiss my you little punk. <laughs> but, you know, they have a lot there. And, but I don't tell my guys that. I give them peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, and I say, hey, look at this. All you want, nutrition bar, PB&J. 
<laughs> you know, they're doing double backflips because I don't show them. I don't let them leave the fiefdom. <laughs> Bruce, we always appreciate your time, man. Best of luck on Saturday. Looking forward to the game. And, and congratulations. Your team has been uh, really actually very good this year. We've enjoyed watching them thus far. We'll certainly enjoy it on Saturday and always enjoy catching up with you, all right? No, I, I do. I, I thank you, and I, I think you'll enjoy why. I got a good team. I'll say that again. But hey, how many state troopers is Bobby going to have? I forgot to ask him. I don't know, 20, 23, yeah, is that right? For yeah. sure. Is that what he travels with? <laughs> Do they guard him, like, in the hotel when he's snoozing, or how does that work? I mean, he... he Just because he he's a track guy, he never protect- played college football. Doesn't he need some... Pro- he doesn't need protection. He's just, you know, working out all the time. Right, right. He yeah, probably- but he's also a 400 runner. He's not necessarily a football guy. Mm. Right. <laughs> right. He, he's a track guy, right? He was. How yeah. can he be a team guy, then? That's not a team <laughs> Don't tell the you know? track people that, Barney. I, I, I won't bleep it out. I, I want his team to hear that. You know? I want those players to start looking at him. Ah, you know, is Barney right about this guy? <laughs> there you go. Come infiltrate the Montana airwaves and introduce doubt. All right, That's, one more, one more. Okay. I texted him yesterday because my kids... Are we over? I gotta cut no, go ahead. Let her rip, Barney. What do we care? It's your uh, show. <laughs> on our scouting report, yesterday is scouting report day. And I, we make our kid, our players, I call them book reports, but they have to report on the opponent's players. You know, they have to watch films, see how they are, yada, yada. And then they pick the dudes or the, what's it called, key players of the game, if you're being professional. And... So I, I, we don't know what they're coming up with. Then they turn on, they got Robbie on there. Robbie Houck is the one to do it. So I take a picture of it and send it to, you know, the mighty Houck. And he writes back, he says, yeah, he said, because I said, this is better than a big sky, you know, all conference. I said, he just made Portland State dude board. <laughs> so he writes back, he says, yeah, but we let him off the, get off the bus last because he's so small <laughs> and I said you know what that's what the guy said it's his only issue is his only negative is he looks like his dad <laughs> I got him I pushed the button he said I'm a tough son of a bitch <laughs> settle down buddy. I got you again Big old button out. <laughs> Marty, have a great rest of the afternoon, man. A great week. We'll see you on Saturday. Okay? All right, travel safe. I asked about those young guys on Saturday, but I wanted to ask you a little bit more details about that. You know, you mentioned when you were fighting to get some playing time as a younger guy. D-line's probably the hardest spot to play when you're young just because you don't have the strength and the size right. yet. Yeah. What, what is it like for those guys to learn, and how impressed have you been for the, with those guys being able to kind of break in and make plays here and there? Uh, I've been really impressed with them. And, you know, uh, like you said, you know, physical aspect of it is big on D-line, but um, we have some pretty developed young D-linemen. So, you know, physically they're right there with everybody else and they're, they're they're learning just as much as anybody I've ever seen, so it's cool to see. Seems like Mamula's got some natural skills just coming off the edge. What do you think he just brings, especially as kind of like a third-down specialist? Uh, just He's super athletic, gets off the ball quick, um, good in pass rush. So, I mean, that's why I see him in a lot of third downs because he can get after the quarterback. How about Gubner? He's got two picks. He almost had a third one on Saturday. That's like Fat Man's dream to get picks <laughs> like that. But, I mean, what is it, how has he been able to develop and be such a good contributor as a young guy? Um, Gub was one of those guys that came in and physically he was ready from day one. I mean, he's a big, strong, athletic kid. Um, he's just getting him to learn, learn the defense and everything. And, um, and he's... 
came leaps and bounds with that. So he's obviously making plays and stuff now. I know they're kind of using McGoring as a spot guy, you know, bringing him in when they can to try, maybe try to save the redshirt if they, if you need to. Who knows what's going to happen there? But for him to get a sack against Eastern, you know, he's from Cheney's dad uh-huh. played there. So that must have been cool for you guys to watch. Yeah, no, that was awesome. It was it's something we kind of give him shit about a lot. Is that he's from Cheney, especially <laughs> last week when playing Eastern. So. Yeah, that was cool. Cool for him to get a sack against him. He has a ton of talent. He's gonna he's gonna be a stud. I know you've been playing since you were a young guy, but now you're kind of the old dog in the group. So what's that experience like? Kind of being the guy that everybody looks to for advice and to kind of teach him and lead him along the way. Uh, and it's a cool experience because you know I had those older guys above me that I looked up to and learned from. So it's 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 cool to be one of those guys that. Um, you know, it's helping the younger guys along the way. When I say you're entering now your last month of college football, how does that make you feel? It it, it goes by so fast. I it mean, does. I remember, you know, seniors telling me that my freshman year. I was like, yeah, I don't know. It's five years ahead of me, but um, it flies by. It really does. So I'm just going to try to make the most of it. And I know that the whole team's going to do the same thing. So The matchup on Saturday, Portland State, trying to mess with your eyes a lot with the pre-snap motions and all that. What do you think of their offense and how do you slow them down? Um, I mean, we've we've – Face offense is similar to them that, you know, do a lot of pre-snap movements and stuff. So, um, you know, we're preparing the same way and I'm um, just trying to read keys before the snap and uh, I know we'll be just fine. What do you think is the potential of this team for the next month and, and how do you guys hope to finish this thing strong? Uh, I think the only thing that's going to hold hold us back is us. You know, we, gotta, we, we have the talent to make a big impact this year and um, so we just got to keep preparing and working the way we are and um, the future's really bright the rest of the season. Some of the young D linemen that have kind of risen up and helped contributing, yourself included, but some of those other guys too, like Alex and uh, Milton. So, as a young guy, what's the learning curve like? What's the acclimation um, like? You know, it's pretty steep. I'm um, just coming from experience last year, but right. um, the guys that uh, the veterans like Jesse really made it easy for me last year, Reggie last year. But I mean. Coach Coach Sachs puts them in a position to make plays, and he makes sure that they have their assignment down clear. Or yeah, down clear, and just make sure that they're confident and ready to play. What's more important, the technique or the strength and the size? Uh, you got to have a mixture of both. <laughs> yeah, right. Now the technique's one thing, but you're still running into a 300 pounder each play, so you got to have that strength and be ready for that contact each play, each and every play. Seems like you put on some good size. So I, I know some guys when they put on size young mess with your balance but it seems like you've been able to acclimate pretty darn quick i mean what's the process been like and how you been able to do it um that's that's just strictly off-season work with coach yeah. nicholson and you know he does a he has a great program and you know you follow that and you get the results and so happy with how i mean not me and everybody else had a good summer and packed on the weight so yeah, yeah. Coach Sachs, just watching him on the sidelines is just hilarious. He's just got so much energy. So just the way he inspires you guys, how much does that motivate you? Oh, it's awesome. I mean, you'll never bring more energy than Coach Sachs, and that's a fact. <laughs> you know, even some days that maybe you don't have it, you're going to have it sooner or later from getting chirped at by him. Yeah. So, Last question for you then. You mentioned some of the guys that have kind of moved on from the program, but Jesse, the old guy in the group, so what sort of leadership has he brought you guys, and what have you learned from him over the last couple of years? I've learned a lot from Jesse. He, he's been the lone guy that's always been around since I've been here. And I mean, this year his leadership role is huge, and Vika as well. They both, uh, they both make sure that the rest of the team is doing everything right and just helping us any way he can. Very, very selfless. Yep. I love your tweet about uh, Baker to Eureka. How about that? 
You gotta just enjoy it though, right? If you get a hang That's out right. with Montana <laughs> tough, man. It is. <laughs> Twelve hours on the bus with your buddies, might as well, right? God, how about that? <laughs> so first of all, people wouldn't believe that. If we drove to Portland, it'd be 150 miles shorter than that. <laughs> totally. I mean, uh, we had a guy that he he's so obsessed with this that he did a, a complete history of the last 10 years of high school playoffs throughout all the classifications. He brought us this data to say, here's the longest trip that's been made in the 2010s in high school football. So I think that one is actually going to be the second longest. But this guy was so, he went through and did to the mile every single high school trip, which is amazing. It's amazing how vast it is. <laughs> it is, totally. Well, let's start with the thing you probably want to talk about the least, this new NCAA rule uh, monetizing the image of student-athletes for profit. What do you think of it? Is it going to influence this level at all, do you think? Uh, yeah, I think it'll influence college football to a large degree, probably men's basketball. Is it a good thing? I don't think so. Yeah. I mean, that's personal opinion. I, I, I mean, it'll be good for one or two people and not going to be good for a lot. There's all kinds of things that we haven't even thought about that will be a byproduct of it. And, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't see it as positive personally. Yeah. Well, Eric puts out these great tweets every Sunday about some of the statistical rankings. One thing that I think has gotten a little bit overlooked is how good he has been on punt team and on punt coverage team, too. So, first of all, what do you thought of the job Adam Wilson's done? And just how locked in is he as a punter right now? Adam's done a good job, both uh, both punting and kicking off. Um, you know, when your, special, when your specialists are playing well, it uh, gives your special teams a chance to be good. And, you know, we're, we're, uh, we're covering kicks and punts really well right now. What's that a product of? I mean, how do you cultivate talent and production on that unit, especially the guys that are covering the kicks? <laughs> um, you know, we, we coach them hard, just like we do the other – two phases of the game um those guys are are hungry to make plays for their team i think that's probably the most important thing and and then along with that they understand what we're trying to do i asked jesse sims a similar question but the young defensive linemen that have seen to kind of rise up and have been making some plays for you guys guys like milton mamula and alex gubner um what does it take at when you're a young guy to be able to produce uh, in the big sky conference because it seems like that's one of the positions that may be behind when you're first when you're first you know just starting out yeah, well, you know, I, I think you have to be good up front or you're not going to be very good on either side of the ball. And, you know, we're, we're at a spot right now in our development as a program where we've had to play some young guys, and it's not always productive. But, you know, they're, they're taking to it, and they've worked hard, and it's good for our team to see them making plays, and certainly we're happy for them as individuals. Jacob McGoran from Cheney, Washington, gets a sack against Eastern Washington. So what would you think of that moment that he had on Saturday? Well, he's a, he's a, Jacob's a good young player. Um, he, he's done a really nice job. You know, when we recruited him last year, I thought he was probably the top player in our class going into it. And, you know, that's kind of trying to predict the future a little bit, but I was pretty high on him, and I'm glad to see him having uh, a good freshman year. That was, Saturday was the first time my brother had been able to be on the sidelines and see some of these guys coach, and he said Barry Sachs is so good at just the enthusiasm part of the game. What do you think of just the, the enthusiasm and the excitement he brings to the D-line? Well, Barry's got a lot of energy, uh, which is great, and, and that's how you have to play on defense, um, certainly up front, but across the board on defense. And it's uh, If you're not having fun coaching and you don't have energy for it, you should be doing something else. Last question for you. The guy that seems to have one of the most um, – random stories is is dylan cook a guy who played quarterback in high school and at montana state northern and now he's been getting tons of reps at right tackle for you guys so what's been the key to his progression and what have you thought of just that evolution well it's kind of interesting we're we're there playing a former quarterback at right tackle but <laughs> right. but you know they come from all 
They come from all kinds of different backgrounds, and that's a pretty unique one, certainly. Not the first time I've seen that, but but uh, Dylan's done a really nice job. He's worked hard. Uh, he's getting better at it. Um, and, again, he's probably still in the infancy of his development as a offensive lineman, but he's doing a good job. Coulter, the weather has turned. It is gnarly out there. It's gnarly on the roads. But in Montana, that doesn't keep us home. We go everywhere we got to go. You and I always travel in for football. I'm going to be headed some other places for Christmas, all this kind of stuff. You know what gives me comfort? I know that I'm always about 11 feet from a town pump superstore. I mean, no matter where I am in the state of Montana, you got gasoline, you got all the refreshments you need, the kids got to have, you know, a, a, a packet of gum, some chips, some water to keep them going, to keep them satiated and satisfied in the back seat. And you know what other S word? Silent. Shut them up, those kids. You go to town pump and you got yourself some peace and calm in the van ride. I, sh- I should pay them $1 million for what they've done for me. I always set up that town pump right when you get over Homestake Pass. I write in rocker there because yeah. I always run out of the spray fluid for the windshield. And the mm. semis are spraying on you. When it gets cold and icy and snowy like this, you got to have the right fluids in your car. And Town Pump's got that covered as well. And sometimes you need a beer for after the drive. So get yourself a six-pack, drink it when you get home, behave yourself. But it is. It's a great place no matter what you need. Fuel, food, caffeine, water, anything. And who knows, maybe you throw a dollar in the machine, you walk away a winner, too. I mean, you got all these different ways to recreate, stretch your legs on the highways. No matter where you're at in Montana, there's a town pump near you. Town pump, Montana's best since 1953. Yeah, they're a team that has a lot of momentum coming off a good good win last week, and uh, they can obviously put a lot of points up like they did to Idaho State. And, uh, yeah, they do a lot of good things. They have an athletic quarterback. Um, they do some good things up front and have some running backs to run the ball hard. And so, yeah, we're uh, we're trying to clean up some things that we did wrong last week and also build off some things that we did well and hopefully carry some, uh, yeah, carry some of those things that we we did well from last game into into this week and uh, yeah, hopefully have a good performance. What were some of those things last week that uh, you thought you guys did well? Yeah, I thought we did some <clears throat> good things. Getting the, getting the ball out again, uh, we need to continue to take the ball away. I think that's what's led to a lot of success for us as a defense. Um, but not being totally reliant on turnovers and being able to get off the field on third down consistently. Uh, so I think that's that's one thing. Stopping the run is, was helpful for us last week. And uh, we always that's our number one goal every week is stop the run, make, make teams one-dimensional, make teams have to drop back and throw the ball. And so... Want to stop the run and and uh, force teams to throw the ball. So, and coming off of last week, just kind of how do you think that might have impacted the, the urgency around the team? Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, it creates a lot of a lot of urgency. I think it forces you to to look at details. It forces you to kind of look in the mirror a little more and um, figure out what's going on. Figure out what needs changed. Um, yeah, it's it's hum- it's humbling and it's humbling in a good way. I think, uh, yeah, to be forced to do that, and I think a lot of things can get not swept under the rug, but I think a, a lot of a lot of mistakes get kind of hidden when you're winning, and I think um, when when you lose, those mistakes are maximized, and so uh, those there are things that we need to address, and and uh, and it's not too late. Um, it's not too late for us to to fix those things and hopefully. Uh, yeah, start winning some more games, and, and we have everything on the front of us. 
last year was a similar, kind of a similar situation down the stretch. You guys ended up winning quite a few games in a row, surging to the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Do you feel some confidence knowing that you've gone through things like that? Yeah, I think there's a lot of confidence. Just uh, success we've had last year, where we've kind of almost feel more comfortable being a team that people overlook, being a team that's kind of the underdog. Um, and not being the favorites, if that makes sense. I think that's just kind of where we've been. I guess what I'm trying to say is the pressure's always been on late in the season for, for us to win, for us to accomplish what we want to. And so uh, I think we kind of thrive off that and we thrive off the pressure of, all right, if, if we want to get into postseason, we gotta we got to turn some things around. So. For, for Troy Anderson, uh, kind of with his role, kind of obviously playing both sides, mm-hmm. How crazy is that uh, to you and, and made just the rest of your teammates? Yeah, he, he shows a lot of toughness, um, you know, working through some things with his body, and, and he's willing to put it on the line every every week for us. And he's a guy that we need to have success and a guy who we need to give the ball to, and, and he does a lot of good things on defense. You saw him, uh, yeah, affect the quarterback for us. And, um, yeah, just a different athlete. And uh, you can just see that. Yeah, just in the, when you turn on the film and seeing his explosiveness and his ability to change direction and his ability to start and stop is pretty impressive. So, uh, yeah, he's a guy we need and, and a guy we're going to need moving forward. As a you know fourth-year player, you played a lot of football here, yeah. uh, this being your last season, mm-hmm. kind of coming to the end a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, what is your motivation right now just for you at the end of your yeah. career? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, man, I think... I think there's a lot of things motivating me, and and I think a lot of it's just the guys we have in the room, and, and you know we say it all the time, but we always say it's all about us, and it's all about the guys in this room, and playing hard for each other, playing hard for uh, the coaching staff, and and you know they're they're giving everything they have. I think having a senior group has has just been awesome, um, and yeah, there's there's a lot to play for, and. and uh, you know, like I said, losing is humbling, and I think it's good for us. Um, and I think it's something that kind of, kind of adds that motivation. You know, if we don't, if we don't figure things out, this could, this could be the end. But I, I think, like, as talking to Brooks, is like, you know, we just, we've been in this position before. We, pressure's been on before, and now it's time to go execute and, and, and turn this thing around. We go now to the Rangage Brothers RV phone line. We welcome in the defensive coordinator of the Southern Utah Thunderbirds. They're at the University, excuse me, they're at Mont- Montana State University uh, this Saturday. And also a former Grizz himself, Brandon Fisher, joining us, the defensive coordinator there. Brandon, thanks so much for being with us. How are you doing? Yeah, great. Good to be with you guys. Well, we're, we're certainly happy to have you. Congratulations on the win last week. And I want to start there because, you know, it's been a little bit of a tough sledding this year for Southern Utah. But last week against Idaho State, your defense gets three interceptions and you roll up 59 points on the Bengals. First of all, what went right in that game? And do you feel like maybe that turned a little bit of a corner for you in your season? Yeah, you know, it, it's been a little bit of tough sledding for us. And I think haven't had you know the success clearly that we thought we were going to going into the season uh, for a variety of reasons and you know, it was good we finally biggest thing we finally got a chance to get back at home you know and play in front of a home crowd and you know you look at our schedule and shoot we've had we've got been on the road six out of the first ten games against at Weber State you know at we got at Davis you know at Northern Iowa at South Dakota State so. Kind of had a tough sled, and we, you know, got a couple guys back on the field, and 
you know, you made some plays early, and we got some momentum and complimented each other on both sides of the ball, and, and it was good for the guys. They've they've been through some adversity, been through some challenges this year, and guys have stayed together, continue to play hard, continue to play hard for us, and you know, it's good for them to feel a little bit of success and walk out of there feeling the way it's supposed to. When you first started your coaching career, started at the highest level in the NFL. Now this is your first year as a defensive coordinator at the college level. What about the Southern Utah job drew you? What did you like about Coach Warren, Demario Warren, and and what's this first year been like just from a learning experience perspective? You know, yeah, going back just a little bit of my background, at one point was the youngest DB coach in the National Football League, <laughs> right. one of the youngest position coaches in the National Football League, and you know, we didn't win enough games out there in L.A., ended up getting – Ended up getting fired. Well, we found out for the last game of the season, Friday for the last game of the season, found out my wife was pregnant with number one and knew I was under contract for a year. So kind of made the decision that, hey, I'm going to I'm gonna sit it out and get paid and get to be a dad and wake my little dude up every morning, put him to bed every night. And you know, having been in this profession, been around this profession my whole life, you know, you know those moments are precious. Those moments are valuable. And so I, you know, I made that choice to kind of walk away, turn down a couple pretty good offers and chose to be a dad. And it was all really humbling trying to get back in it. Um, you realize you're, you become irrelevant real quick after not being in the game for a year, a uh, year or two. And so, you know, the hiring cycle came and went and the well, phone wasn't ringing. I was making calls and trying to get interviews and just get my foot back in a building somewhere. And, you know, this was really the only opportunity that presented itself. And, Got a chance through uh, Justin Walterscheid. His old man, my old man, played together in the Bears mm. back in the 80s. So that was kind of the connection. And got a chance to interview with Coach Warren. And interview went well. Was offered the job right after. And you know, had a chance to coordinate, which you know, I thought for my career and myself moving forward, you know, my age, that's probably the best thing you could be doing to get back, you know, get back rolling is have a chance to be on the sidelines, install your own defense, and call plays. And, yeah, the opportunity to fit everything you know, kind of came together, and we've had a blast. It's a great group of guys, great group of players. I mean, when you look at, you know, the the adversity and some of the things that have gone on, and the injuries that gone on. I mean, shoot, we're down. You know, best corner, best safety, three starting linebackers. Not to make excuses, that you know everybody's dealing with injuries at this point in the year. But the guys, they just come out and they play hard, and they play hard, and they play hard, and that's that's the number one thing you can ask. So. Watching the dominoes of the coaching world is always so fascinating, and that specific job was fascinating too because Andy Thompson, longtime defensive coordinator at Northern Arizona, who also is a former Montana Grizzly, gets the yeah. job for half a minute, but then decides he's going to pivot and go to Sacramento State with Troy Taylor, so then it reopened. So I don't know if you followed it before you were in the mix, but just broadly being in the coaching business, it seems like it's so stressful because you never really know what domino is going to fall where. So what's that like being involved in an industry that changes oh, it's, so much? It's crazy. You know, it's, and it's hard, the hardest on you know, families, on wives, kids, and you can day-to-day, you just don't know. And you know, My experience growing up and living in six, eight different cities and yeah, just it's a crazy profession, and you know, I think loyalty is hard to find. Um, that was a big thing with Demo, especially after the Andy thing went down. That you know, I think there was a from his standpoint was where he looked at my resume and where I've been. I had a chance to be in the NFL, and you know, why is he going to you know is he going how long is he going to stick around Southern Utah? And Demo, you're giving me a chance. You know, nobody else is willing to give me a chance to come in and coach. Loyalty is important in this profession. Finding good people and good people that you can trust is important. And that was kind of one of my big selling points with him that, Hey, I'm, 
I take this thing and something comes up in a week or two, I'm not leaving. You know, uh, that's not me. That's not Emmy. And there were a couple opportunities that came up after the fact, but I, you know, I gave this man my word that, hey, I'm going to come in here and coach my butt off and we're going to get this defense right. So. Brandon Fisher joining us. He's the defensive coordinator at Southern Utah. Southern Utah playing at Montana State in Bozeman this Saturday noon kickoff Mountain Standard Time uh, on uh, Root Sports, Root Sports Game of the Week uh, there for you. And, Coach, I want to talk about this game specifically because, you know, Coulter and I have been watching Montana State all year long, and they're in this very odd scenario with their quarterback, and they do a lot in the plus mm-hmm. one run game. And especially the last couple of weeks, we've been pretty critical of what they have done or haven't done and the amount maybe they've thrown the ball compared to running the ball. Uh, they got a couple mm-hmm. guys that are nicked up as well, certainly, when you talk about Troy Anderson, Isaiah Fonse. So that's, that's certainly there. But when you look at this offense through a defensive lens, what do you see both in terms of the personnel and maybe some of the play calling as you as you prepare for Saturday? Well, you, know, you mentioned 15 there. I'll tell you this. You you take a deep breath as a defensive coordinator every time he's not on the field. Yeah, I mean, he is special. And I don't care which side of the divide you fall on. He, You enjoy watching that kid play and respect his game. I mean, he's one of the he, – I, I love watching him play the game, but – you know, overall, I'd say they're probably the most challenging team we've had to prepare for. You know, just you know, in a week, you don't have enough time. And, you know, you look at the – you're playing against two different offenses. Mm-hmm. And the stuff they do with 12 back there at quarterback, I mean, it's your – say your standard big sky offense, similar concepts to what you're going to see. A couple wrinkles here and there, so you build that game plan. But then again, you're, you're expecting 20, 25-plus snaps of true, like you said, the one-plus quarterback run game the wildcat run game so you're building two game plans two separate game plans and then dealing with okay do you are you checking the call when 10's back there and the quarterback's still in the game are you hard calling stuff when 15 comes in i mean this is i mean in terms of hours spent building a game plan this has been by far the most challenging one we've had and you know you see Choates, you see their philosophy you see their identity this is a team that is built to win games outdoor in the elements in November and December. And, and I think, yeah, there's been some discussion about the past game and whatnot. You know, 12 is, he's one or two drop balls. I don't know if you guys saw the one last week against UND, but he's one or two drop balls away from that stat sheet looking completely different. And he's getting better week in, week out, operating, running that offense. And I know they're going to have a plan cooked up to, to get him going early and probably try and throw a couple balls over your head. You always got to expect the gimmicks with them. So, I mean, it, it's a challenging offense. But, I mean, big picture, yeah, they want, they're going to line up and run the ball, and they don't care if you know if it's coming. you got to stop it. And teams haven't had a ton of success stopping it, and that's one area that you know, we've struggled in. So that's going to be our biggest challenge. You're a great linebacker at the University of Montana, so a two-part question. First of all, when you look back on your playing days, compared to the big sky from then to now, how has it changed, and what's it going to be like now for you, a former Grizz, going against your former heated rival in Montana State? Yeah, you know, looking at the conference as a whole, I mean, you know, as a player, I, you didn't buy into, you didn't look at the game the same way you do as a coach. You know, you didn't, you didn't see the schemes and and whatnot. I mean, I would say it's, you know, it's a little more wide open from a from a passing, from a scoring point, from an offensive perspective. But you know that's you know, that kind of is what it is. Um, in regards to my experience, uh, you know, I think half the guys in our locker room don't even know that I played at Montana, and I've kind of taken that approach that this one's not about me. This one's about 
the Southern Utah defense and the things I've asked these guys to do and just, you know, answering the bell one more week. And I say, we're in, we're in week 10 right now. We haven't had a bye week. We've been on the road six out of the first four games. We've six out of the first 10 opponents have all spent a bunch of time in the top 10 this year. When you look at Davis, Montana State, South Dakota State, on top of that, and FBS, I just ask you guys, hey, answer the bell. Let's answer the bell. Let's answer the bell one more time, and we got a bye week, and finally get a break. Take a deep breath next week. So I've kind of separated myself from it. Um, you know, I don't think my experience or you know, having played in those rivalry games has any bearing on the outcome of, of this one. And that's not to say when I walk out on the field, there's not going to be a little soft spot in my heart. And you know, the memories and the experiences that I had and the relationships and the success we had on that field, you know, that stuff comes back. But, yeah, my experience have no bearing on the outcome of this one. Brandon, one other thing for you, you know, going to, to Bozeman, it is one of the, the better environments in the FCS, frankly, certainly in the Big Sky Conference. Mm, absolutely. And so, you know, for, for your guys, you talk to them about that and what it's going to be like and when they're, you know, out there getting ready to go and that might be something that you can play up a little bit and, and maybe gain a little bit of energy from within the game. Oh, 100%. I mean, that's the first, you know, first thing I showed started this week was, was just their crowd. And you know, we're, gonna, we're not going to be a playoff team. Uh, this is going to be the closest thing to a playoff atmosphere we get to experience. And they've got that thing rolling. I mean, even from when I, and it's 10 years ago when I got to play there, it, every game now it looks like cat grit in that play. So you got to give the university, you got to give Choke, you got to give students a lot of credit. That place is rolling and it's, it looks rocking, and I think our guys, you know, our our guys can build on that and play on that. You know, we talk about the crowd noise; that's going to probably affect our offense. Hopefully, we can operate defensively with, you know, it's going to be quiet and get our calls and get our checks in. But I think our guys will be excited to go out and play in that kind of atmosphere for sure. Well, Brandon, we would certainly appreciate the time. Best of luck this weekend. Congratulations again on the win last weekend, and we'll look forward to uh, to seeing this game and seeing your guys up there in Bozeman, a uh, place you're familiar with, doing it uh, on Saturday, all right? Yeah, absolutely. Appreciate it, fellas. We go now to the Rangage Brothers RV phone line, and we welcome back to the show our now California correspondent for Tutel and Nuanas, the quarterback of the Sacramento State Hornets, Kevin Thompson. They are playing Weber State, the number three versus number six matchup in the nation, biggest matchup in the Big Sky Conference this weekend. Kevin, thanks so much for being with us once again. How are you? Uh, good to be back. I'm, do- I'm doing great. Uh, how are you doing? We're doing excellent. We appreciate you being with us. And, uh, I mean, let's just jump right into it. You guys have played uh, – one of the, if not the, toughest schedule in the in the country this year, and you're undefeated in the FCS, and yet it just gets harder and harder as you go now up against the defending Big Sky champions and the number three team in the nation, Weber State. When you look at this matchup now that you're into it, headed into this week, what do you see uh, out of the Wildcats, especially with that vaunted defense? Yeah, they're uh, they're they're a great football team. Um, they're playing really well right now. Uh, we're really excited for the matchup. Uh, it's another great test for us, um, as we've had all year long. And uh, you know, when we when we saw that schedule, we were we were pretty fired up about it because you know you want to play the best teams because you know that's a, that's how you prove yourself. But um, they're just a, they're just really consistent uh, on, on the defensive side of the ball. From from what I've been watching, uh, they they fly around, they make plays. They got some big guys up front. Um, they're talented in the secondary. They're fast. Um, so we're going to have to definitely be on our game, um, but we're, we're excited for the challenge. 
on the scheduling note, it's an interesting factor, right? Because in the big sky, the unbalanced schedule, sometimes I know everybody in this league can present challenges at times, but sometimes you do have to play the better teams, and you never know who's going to be the better teams. But as it's played out right now, you guys basically have to play all the best teams. But it seems as if you guys have really embraced that element. Like you said, you want to play the best teams. How much do you guys think about, hey, if we do figure out a way to take care of business during this schedule, this could actually set us up with a higher seed, a higher playoff positioning than any other uh, option that we could have. Yeah, we, we definitely, you know, just want to take it one game at a time, but we're uh, it's definitely definitely huge to uh, um, play all of the top teams in your conference, especially in the big sky, which is traditionally, you know, one of one of the better conferences in the FCS. It just sets you up, um, I think, for, for success um, in the playoffs. And uh, like I said, we just uh, – Preseason, we saw you know the teams that were picked to be up at the top, and we noticed you know we play pretty much all those teams, and um, we didn't really back down from that. We we wanted to play those teams. Uh, I did personally, and I, and I know the rest of my teammates did as well, just because you know we want to we want to play the best. You know we don't care we don't care who we have on the schedule. We we feel like we can compete, and we're gonna just try to continue to do that. What did you see out of Cal Poly? What sort of adjustments did they make that made you guys go to the ground? And how are you guys able to take advantage of what they were giving you? Yeah, we saw um, early on they did they did a really good job throughout that game. You know, defending the pass, um, we kind of noticed they were in a, in a lot of too high and um, kind of allowing us to get out on the perimeter and run. And so we just kind of stuck with that for a majority of the game and. And felt like we continued to be successful with that. They were playing a bit softer with the safeties early on. And uh, so we just kind of let Elijah and BJ, you know, do their thing. And uh, the line just walked great and set the tempo up front. So we kind of stuck with it, and it, and it, and it worked really well. It was, uh, it was, it was um, good to see that, that we were able to kind of pound the ball a bit and be successful, you know, real, real successful in the run game. Um, so it just kind of shows, that I think, we're, we're able to do, you know, pretty much pretty much everything that we want to do offensively. So whether it be running pass, just kind of go with the flow of the game, whatever's working, just stick with it and make adjustments when needed. But, uh, yeah. Kevin Thompson joining us, by the way, the uh, quarterback for the Sacramento State Hornets, the number six team in the nation. They're playing the number three team in the nation, Weber State, in a huge Big Sky Conference matchup this weekend. And, Kevin, uh how much fun has this season been? I mean, you guys haven't been beating teams. You have been beating down teams and good teams as well. Uh, it's just been uh, a fun to watch, but i got to imagine it's been fun to play in and just rolling the way that you guys are. Yeah, it's been you know the most fun I've had playing football in, in quite some time, and I think it really just comes down to really the attitude and just kind of the work ethic we have as a team. Uh, I really just enjoy – enjoy working together, enjoy going to practice together, enjoy going to meetings together. And I just think we have a great group of guys and a great, great coaching staff and training staff. And everyone's just made the environment just a lot of fun to be around. And then of course we've had some success on the field as well. So, so, so that's been contributing to it. So uh, I just think, you know, the environment and kind of the culture that's kind of in place right now is uh has been a big factor of why everyone's just having, having such a good time, kind of why we're seeing some success right now. But we just want to keep uh, continue to carry that moving forward. Schematically, what do you see out of Weber State's defense? They've had talent-wise, man-for-man, man, some of the best personnel in the league. 
But when you watch just what they do and how they operate, what do you see as a quarterback? Yeah, I think they they uh, they want to line up and they just want to beat you, you know, one on one. They they feel like you know they're talented enough to to just line up and and win across the board. And and so far they've been pretty successful in doing that. And you know, I'm assuming they're going to probably uh, continue to do the same thing, do, do what's been working for them. And uh, you know, I just think it's going to be a great matchup, and, and we'll see if we can win those one-on-one battles. Last season when you guys played, we were saying I know you didn't get a chance to play. So how much are you personally looking forward to this matchup? Oh yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I've just been uh, I still you know have, haven't had a chance didn't get a chance to play against them last year. Played against them two years ago at home, and we lost in uh, in a fairly close game. But uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to playing playing them. You know, didn't, didn't really get the shot last year, but just just really excited to play. Just to, be, just to be able to be here and play at all really is, is really exciting and fun for me and, and to still, you know, have the opportunity to play college football, you know, despite some of the injuries. It's just, you know, every every game, you know, I'm just not, take, not taking any games for granted this year. Really focusing on this Weaver State game, but just having a lot of fun and, and definitely really excited to, to get another opportunity this Saturday. And as we know, the way that Weaver State operates with their offense, they like to control the ball, grind the clock. I think last year against you guys they had something like 34 minutes of possession, maybe 34 and some change. And Josh Davis has proven to be one of the best running backs in the league. So mm-hmm. when you guys have the ball, how important is it to be efficient and maximize your opportunities since it might be a little while until you get the ball back again? Yeah, just, just similar to, to Cal Poly in a sense. Um, when you get the ball, you, you want to try to make the most of it. Um, and uh, – you know, you don't know how many plays or possessions you're, you're going to get. It could be, you know, you might only have 50, 60, 60, 70 plays if you're lucky. Um, so, you know, you got to make sure you're, you're scoring touchdowns uh, or at least scoring points, you know, almost every time that you get the ball. Uh, otherwise, you know, they could, they could control the game and eat it up and, and, and come through with the win. So our defense has been playing great, and, uh, you know, hopefully they, they keep – Keep uh, keep doing what they're doing for some turnovers, and uh, you know, hopefully that won't be an issue with the time of possession. Kevin, you're from Tacoma, really from Auburn, Washington, Western Washington. You spent time in Vegas. Now you're in Sacramento. Which of those places is the best place? <laughs> well, I, I do love going to school in Sacramento. Um, obviously, this is my favorite college that I've been at to, but. Uh, Definitely, I gotta. I got. I love Western Washington. I gotta give the nod to the Western Washington, Seattle, South Seattle area. Um, the the Pacific Northwest. Just, just Nothing I, gets better. I like the I like the weather, and I just think it's just probably the most beautiful area that I've been to. Uh, but I do love Sacramento. Sacramento's been great, but I just think nothing beats you know that area. You know, in the summer when it's it's like a nice 70-degree day. You know, can't really beat it. Well, one of the only converts on Earth who used the weather as, as an example of why Washington is better than California. <laughs> T- KT, uh, love it, man. Hey, best of luck this weekend uh, against Weaver. Can't wait for this matchup. It's going to be a lot of fun, and uh, we appreciate it. We'll catch up with you again, all right? Yeah, appreciate it. Thanks for having me.
Coulter, I was in Bozeman for the Bobcat game a couple of weeks ago, and while I was there, I went over to the corner of Jackrabbit and Baxter and headed into the brand new Cathedral of Guns, Selway Armory. It was absolutely phenomenal. Their new store in Bozeman is everything you want and more, including a Sig Sauer store right in the Selway Armory store. Got a c- some confusion from a couple people that listen to this podcast. They said, what is Sig Sauer? <laughs> and they spelled it like cigarette. <laughs> but no, we're talking Sig Sauer like S-I-G-S-A-E-U-R. Some of the best handguns you'll find anywhere. They're experts when it comes to Sig Sauer's, as well as all other handguns, as well as all other firearms. Locations of both Missoula and Bozeman. But get your butt to that new Bozeman store. It's a beautiful store, unbelievable inventory, and those guys are experts. They'll help you find whatever it is you need. Hunting season, recreation, we all have people on our Christmas list, or maybe it's you yourself. Yes, I must say, once in a while it's nice to get your own self a present. You go in there, all of the guns, ammunition, accessories that you could imagine in culture, as you mentioned. Absolute experts. They know everything there is to know about the entire inventory they've got. Online, SelwayArmory.com. Montana is a gun enthusiast state. It's a hunting state. And Selway Armory is Montana's firearm superstore. Take the Selway Armory Challenge. Shop with Selway Armory for a year. Guarantee you're going to save money over the big box stores or anywhere else you might shop. Do yourself a favor. No matter where you're from in Montana, if you're making your way through southwest Montana, go see that new Selway Armory. And if you're in Missoula, go check out their location out Stockyard Road. Selway Armory, great products at a great price, along with world-class customer service.